Welcome to Wholehearted Coaching, the podcast. If you're looking for more purpose, more passion, more joy in your life, then you have come to the right place. I am your host, coach and life alchemist, Sharin Eskandani, and I have worked with thousands of people showing them how to create their dream lives while also living their dream lives. This podcast is where mindset, mindfulness, and manifestation meet. Together, we're going to release limiting beliefs, put your dreams into motion, all while prioritizing your ease, rest, and joy. Let's do this, love. Welcome to Wholehearted Coaching, the podcast. This is where we take a deeper dive into my Mindset Monday post, which you can read on Instagram at Wholehearted Coaching. Or if you want to go even deeper into this week's episode and get my free weekly journal prompts, sign up for my email list and you'll be able to explore the topics we're talking about in this episode even further. You can do that in the show notes or by heading to my website, wholehearted-coaching.com. And if you're interested in working with me, whether that's one-on-one in one of my group programs or one of my transformational courses, you can head to my website, wholehearted-coaching.com slash offerings to find out more. And of course, you can also head to the show notes and all of this information will be waiting for you there. All right, love, welcome to this week's episode. One of the most common questions that I receive in my inbox is about how I became a life coach. Questions like, where did I get certified? How did I get certified? And did I even get certified? I know that there are a lot of folks in this incredible community that are interested in becoming a life coach. So in today's episode, I'm going to be sharing my story of how I became a life coach and more importantly, why I became a life coach. For those of you who've been listening to the podcast for a while, you will have heard snippets and parts of this story, right? Of how I went from being an opera singer to a life coach. And today I'm going to be telling you the whole tale, how it all started and how I got here. So buckle up, buttercup, because this is a story time kind of episode. And if you're listening, if you're someone listening who isn't interested in becoming a coach, I encourage you to stick around. While my story centers around life coaching, it's really a story about making a big life transition. From going to being completely unfulfilled and lost to incredibly happy and content. So this episode is also for anyone who wants to make a big change and needs just a little bit of support and inspiration. Now, over the next few weeks and in the podcast in general, I'm going to be talking a lot more about the practice of coaching. I announced this right at the end of the summer, but there are some big changes happening at Wholehearted Coaching this year. And one of those big changes is that I'm going to be focusing more on my coaching certification the Wholehearted Coaching Certification. Now, this doesn't mean that I won't be talking about mindset, mindfulness, and manifestation. It just means that our wholehearted content is expanding. And I have some 
really exciting episodes in store for you, love. I believe so deeply in the power of coaching. It changed my life, as you're soon going to hear. And I have seen it change the lives of so many of my clients. I truly believe that coaching is one of the most powerful modalities to help facilitate change and transformation. However, I'm also aware that we have a big problem in the coaching industry. We've come to a point where coaches don't want to call themselves coaches because of the negative stereotypes associated with this industry. The harmful practices, the sleazy sales techniques, the grand promises. And the truth is, that is not coaching. What we call coaching today, standardized coaching, the standardized coaching world, is a watered-down, toxic version of a modality that is centuries old. Coaching is not new. It's, it's not something that suddenly appeared in the 20th century with like the rise of Tony Robbins. No, coaching has existed for millennia. There have always been coaches. Of course, they weren't called coaches. They were often referred to as an oracle or an elder. All cultures have had a person in their community that is like a coach, right? Someone who guides, supports, and creates space for those who are in a space of transition, who are struggling with what to do with their lives, right? We have always had coaches. And it's time to bring the soul back to coaching. So in honor of reclaiming what coaching truly is, I have created a live three-day workshop with me called Decolonizing Coaching 101. In this three-day experience, we're going to be looking at the toxic roots of the coaching industry and how we can change the future of what's possible. I'll also be sharing with you some of my favorite coaching tools, and we'll also look at how we can decolonize entrepreneurship. This workshop is for anyone who is interested in becoming a coach or who is already a coach, who's already a practicing coach and wants to be able to deepen their practice through a decolonized lens. We start October 22nd. It's totally free. All you have to do is sign up. You can head to wholehearted-coaching.com slash decolonize or just go to the show notes. All right, now let's get into this week's Mindset Monday. It reads, And one day you will look back and realize what you thought were detours was the journey all along. So let me be so straight up with you. I never in my wildest dreams thought I was going to become a life coach. In fact, for the longest time, I thought life coaching was for West Coast, New Age, granola folks who were like all about love and, and light, you know, people who often smell of patchouli and sandalwood. Now, listen, I say that very lovingly because I am literally from the West Coast. I love granola and I have been known to burn an incense stick or two. But what I am getting at is that I thought that life coaching was shallow. I thought it was hokey, like a total scam. I thought coaching was for people who were weak. And again, right, I am being so damn honest here. Of course, I know 
so differently now, but back then I had some big prejudices against coaching. So let's start at the very beginning. Many of you in this community know that I used to be an opera singer. I found singing and my gift of singing when I was really young. And thank goodness I did because as a child of immigrants, as someone who had just moved to a new country, it gave me the sense of self, a sense of home. When I was singing, it was when I felt the most free and joyful. And I remember that as a little girl, I would tell anyone that would listen that I was going to be an opera singer and I was one day going to sing at the Metropolitan Opera. Like y'all, I knew from a young age, this is what I am going to do. This is my dream. And I threw myself into this dream and I started to get pretty far in the town that I lived in, right? It was something I loved to do. It was something I was good at. And I was also a total perfectionist, overachiever, people pleaser, right? Classic child of immigrants behavior, which I know that many of us in this community, immigrant or not, know very well. But when you combine all of that together, I started to get a lot of recognition, praise, and love. I started to get a lot of roles and work. And looking back, I can see that a lot of my sense of self-worth was tied to being the best, being the best singer, being the best on stage, being the best at the audition. And in the city I lived in, I was kind of a big fish in a little pond, right? There was lots of great talent and I was up there with the best of them. So I decided to do my undergrad degree in the town that I grew up. There was a really great music school there. And, you know, during my time in my undergrad, I got lots of role, again, lots of love, lots of praise. And then I was accepted into a very fancy graduate program in New York City. And y'all, I was so excited. Of course, I was like terrified because I was moving to the big city. But to me, I was one step closer to my dream, right? One step closer to singing at the Metropolitan Opera. And I thought to myself, you know, Sharin, all you have to do is continue being the best, right? All you have to do is continue doing what you're doing, and it's all going to work out. Well, as the listener may well know, moving to New York was a total wake-up call. Because I got here, I got to New York, and I realized everyone was the best. Everyone was exceptional. And my whole sense of self-worth and identity started to crumble around me because I was no longer the best at what I did. Of course, this would have been a great time for me to pause and look inward and try to heal what was going on internally, but I didn't have that knowledge. And so I doubled down on what I thought worked before. I doubled down on the perfectionism, the overachieving, the people-pleasing. And this got me far. I started to get work. I started to get recognition. I was really fortunate to be one of the few students at my school who, when I graduated, had work. And I was working all over, all over the world, like singing at places I had dreamed, like Carnegie Hall 
in Italy. I was singing roles I'd always wanted to sing. I was living my dream. However, much to my shock, it felt nothing like a dream. I was miserable. I never thought I was good enough. I never thought I was doing enough. I was always comparing myself to my colleagues, fixated on the things that I wasn't doing well, fixated on the roles and the work that I wasn't getting. And so this thing that once brought me so much joy was now the source of so much misery. I was exhausted and burnt out and really questioning whether I wanted to continue to sing. And this was so jarring and confusing to me because I was like, Shireen, what's wrong with you? You are living your dream. Why aren't you happy? Why aren't you enjoying this? This is exactly what you wanted. And of course, I know now that the reason why I was so miserable was because of how I was pursuing my dream, right? My dream wasn't the issue. Singing wasn't the issue. It was how I was pursuing it. So at this very super low point where I was questioning it all, where I was like, maybe I need to go back to school and rethink everything. It was at this point where I got the call that changed my life and not in the way that I thought it was going to. My agent called me one day and said the words that I had been waiting for, for a lifetime. He said, Sharin, the Metropolitan Opera wants you to sing in Carmen next season. This was my absolute dream come true. The dream that I had dreamed of as a little girl, what I had told everyone I was going to do, I am going to become an opera singer and I am going to sing at the Met. And this wasn't just my dream come true. This was my perfect dream come true. It was my dream opera at my dream opera house in my dream role. Like nothing about this dream, about this moment could have been more perfect. You know, like sometimes you have a dream come true and it's close to perfect. Like it's not exactly everything you wanted, but it's close enough. No, 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 no. This was everything I wanted. It was perfect. And I had imagined this moment so many times. I'd imagined this phone call a billion times. As a young girl, I imagined it and thought that I would be, you know, jumping for joy, so excited and so happy. And as a young woman who had just moved to New York, I would imagine this moment and I would say to myself, you know, Sharin, if you ever get to sing at the Met, you will know that you made it. You will know that you are good enough. And I'll never forget hanging up that phone because that's the moment I realized that I felt none of those feelings. All I felt was fear, insecurity, and worry. And all I could think was, you are not good enough for this. And that's when I woke up. That was the moment I realized that nothing outside of me would ever make me feel the way I wanted to feel. No accomplishment would ever convince me that I was good enough, right? Because if this perfect dream couldn't make me happy, if it couldn't make me believe that I was good enough, then nothing could. 
I realized that I had been so fixated on the externals that I had never really addressed what was going on internally. I had to figure out what was going on inside. So I, of course, said yes to the job, and I had a year and a half to prepare. And during that time, I, of course, worked on my voice, but what I really focused on was what was going on inside, internally. And that's when I really got into mindfulness and mindset work. Like I really had not done any of that. I'd never really meditated. I'd never read, you know, a book on self-growth ever until this moment in my life. And it was really an incredible time. I was learning so much about myself, gaining these incredible tools. Like I was reading all the books, listening to all the podcasts, going to all the retreats. However, while it was this amazing time of growth for myself, it was kind of my dirty little secret. No one could know. No one knew. So I would hide the books I was reading from friends because, you know, they were all self-help books. And I, you know, would go on retreats on the weekend and not tell them what I was doing. I I didn't want to be associated with that new age stereotype, right? I didn't want people to think that I was one of quote unquote those people. And one day I was listening to a podcast and there was a guest on the show who was a coach and everything she said resonated with me deeply. It was like she was talking to me. And soon enough, I was on her website and I booked a call with her. And all the while, of course, I was totally judging myself like, what are you doing, Sharin? And I got off that call and I instantly joined her group coaching program. It was a year-long program and it was a big investment. And let me tell you, when I put that like deposit down, I almost called my credit card company to tell them that someone had stolen my card because it was just so scary for me to make such a big commitment, such a big investment of my time, of my finances, of all of those things. And I was investing in something I I didn't know would work. Like I had no idea what I was really getting myself into, right? And listen, y'all, that program changed my life. That year-long program transformed me. You know, I had done therapy. I love therapy. I think therapy is something that we should all have access to. It's so important. And, you know, therapy allowed me to understand my past and to figure out why I acted the way I acted, right? Why I had certain habits, what my triggers were. And what coaching allowed me to do was to take all of those learnings about my past, my habits, my triggers, and it gave me the tools to help navigate them so that I could change my present and future, right? So I think therapy is so important. It allows us to have such awareness, such insight into who we are. But for me, my experience of coaching was about taking that understanding and shifting it so that I could work toward the future that I desired. And what all of this work, this internal work allowed me to do was to find my joy for singing again, my love for it. And to this day, I say that my greatest accomplishment in my life isn't singing at the Met. 
It's singing at the Met and enjoying every moment of it. Even when things didn't go right or they were difficult, I was able to find my grounding and my joy. I had all of these incredible tools to navigate the challenges that allowed me to be present. I was able to stand up on that stage each night and deeply believe that I belong there. I was able to take a bow at the end of the show and deeply believe that I deserved the love. And this was a complete 180 from what I had experienced before as a singer, right? If I made a mistake on stage, all I would think of was that mistake. When I took a bow at the end of the show, I didn't think I was worthy enough. No, 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 no. None of that was present. I was able to stand up on that Metropolitan Opera stage and know that this was my dream and it felt exactly like my dream. So you would think that now that I found my love for singing, I would continue to sing. And that's not what happened. So finding my love again also allowed me to clearly see what wasn't working when it came to being a singer. It allowed me to realize that while I loved to sing, I didn't love being a singer. I didn't love that career. My priorities had changed. What I wanted for my life had changed. I wanted to be more settled and grounded. I wanted more certainty. I wanted to build a life. And I realized I wanted to pursue another career, which I realized is what I had wanted to do right before I got the call for the Met, right? Remember that moment where I was totally destitute and thinking, I got to change careers, right? But before coaching, I had wanted to change careers because of fear, because I didn't think I was good enough, because I was so hard on myself. Now, after coaching, I wanted to change careers because of love, because I desired something different for myself. So I knew I wanted to be of service in some way. I wanted to work with people and help them. And I originally thought maybe I should go back to school, study psychology or social work. But to be totally honest with you, going back to school and going into debt did not sound exciting. And then it dawned on me, coaching, Sharin, you dum-dum, you should become a coach. And this realization was a full body yes. Like this is what I have to do. But even though I was so excited and I knew I really, really wanted to do this, it was still a really difficult decision because of two big reasons. I had spent so much of my life, pretty much most of my life, invested in being a singer. I had built this incredible career, and it was really scary to walk away from that. Not to mention, I had poured so much of my time, energy, money, and love into this career. So it also felt like a waste, like I'm throwing this all out. I'm just going to leave. And I also thought, oh my gosh, I have no skills. The only skills I have are like knowing how to move on stage with a corset and 17th century stage presence. Like, how do I put that on my LinkedIn? So there was a lot of fear and worry. We're going to talk more about this in a future podcast episode. But the other big reason 
was I was really worried about other people's judgment. What were they going to think of me? Not only was I leaving my career, which seemed like I was, you know, quote unquote, quitting, right? Even though I knew I wasn't, but I also was going to become a life coach, a woo-woo life coach, right? All of those stereotypes and all of those judgments about the career, I was like, everyone's going to think that about me. And I also felt like a total millennial stereotype, right? Hopping from one disparate career to another. And even though I knew how aligned this decision was, even though I knew how powerful this modality of coaching was, people out there, most of them didn't know this. And honestly, they still don't. So I kind of kept it a secret from my community, not my family and closest friends, but to my outer community. And I always give this advice to folks looking to make a big change. Be intentional with who you tell. You know, when you're first embarking on a dream, you got what I call Bambi legs, right? Like little dough legs. You're still trying to get your footing. And if you tell others too soon, they will start to project all their fears and beliefs onto you. And they'll make you second guess yourself. So for the first little while, as I started my certification, I kept everything to myself. Now, the next little hiccup was actually finding a certification that reflected my values and beliefs. So something I realized much later on after I'd left my coach, my first coach, was how much harm I had experienced as part of that program. Yes, it changed my life. But when I look back with more insight and more knowledge, I could see that it wasn't the safest place for me. And I could also see that in the wellness world at large. When I first found the world of healing and growth, it was incredible. I was learning more about myself, learning to navigate who I was, and really gaining a deeper understanding of what I wanted to do in the world, right? It was incredible. It was, it was amazing. However, I often felt really uncomfortable in a lot of the spaces I found myself in. And I realized that a lot of the folks I was putting my trust into, the people I was hoping would heal and fix me, the people that I was being open and vulnerable to were actually causing me more harm than healing. And so what I kind of had to do was I had to sift and sort through all the information, trying to find, you know, what was healing for me and what wasn't for me. And it was exhausting, right? And I thought, well, maybe this is how this is supposed to be. Maybe this is how healing and growth is supposed to be. And of course, I now know better. I now understand what was happening. No one back then in the world of wellness, and honestly, still right now, was talking about things like privilege, white supremacy, capitalism, patriarchy, misogyny, trauma. The list can go on and on. This wasn't healing for all. This was healing for some. This was a one-size-fits-all type of modality. This was not healing for the collective. It was all about the individual. And I knew that when I started my coaching practice, I wanted to do it differently. I knew how powerful coaching could be, and I wanted it to be as accessible as possible to everyone in all of the ways. 
I wanted to talk about manifestation while acknowledging privilege. I wanted to talk about mindset and also openly discuss oppression and how so much of our mindset is conditioned by the oppressive systems we live in. I mean, this, this to me is healing. And so when I was looking for certifications, I wanted them to reflect those values and beliefs. And let me tell you, this was nine years ago. It was hard. It was incredibly hard to find a program that fit that bill. It was so challenging. I realized how lacking so many programs were. Lacking in diversity, lacking in a holistic curriculum, lacking in mentorship, lacking in practical application, lacking in inclusive and trauma-informed practices, which is wild, right? When I say this, I'm like, how is this possible? Because when you work with people, people are diverse. We have so many different experiences. How can we be coaches who are actually helping folks if we don't have the proper education? So I finally managed to find a certification that ticked off as many boxes as possible, but I knew that there was more I needed to learn, right? More I needed to learn if I wanted to be the impactful coach I wanted to be. Now, here is what I will say. I I really did love my program. And for that time, it was super progressive. And the things that I loved the most about it was first their philosophy. Their philosophy about coaching was that the client always knows best and that the role of a coach is to help create a space in which a client can uncover their own wisdom, strength, and resilience, right? So coaching was this beautiful collaboration with the client and a coach. It wasn't about someone telling someone else what to do. It was truly about empowerment. And the other part I loved, but hated at the time, was that we had so much practice time, right? So this wasn't just learning about coaching, but actually coaching, which was terrifying at first. We started first with coaching each other, peer coaching. And then by the halfway mark in the program, we started coaching outside folks. And that was the scariest thing of all time. But it was so important. You know, I got my coaching legs. And many of the folks that I started coaching in that certification became my first one-on-one clients. And the program also had a great mentorship program. So as coaches, we were supervised and given support and guidance. So when I graduated, I felt really confident as a coach. I felt really confident in my abilities. That was really incredibly invaluable. So I started wholehearted coaching with a handful of one-on-one clients, and I was still singing. At the beginning, it was kind of like a 70-30 split, 70% singing, 30% coaching. And then a good friend of mine asked me to collaborate with her to do some workshops in New York. So she's a jewelry maker, and she had these beautiful custom rings. And we created this workshop called Wear Your Mantra, where I would do a 45-minute workshop with the folks who showed up. And at the end, they would come up with their own mantra. And then Vanessa would make these beautiful rings for them. So we did this workshop all over the place, totally free. And I started to get clients from this. And at one of these workshops, unbeknownst to me, 
a Today Show producer was in attendance. And I guess she was impressed by what I had said or done at the workshop because a week later, she emailed me and asked me to be on the Today Show. So five months into my business, I was on the Today Show speaking about mindfulness with Hoda and Kathy Lee. Like it was wild. It was wild and amazing. And now Wholehearted Coaching has grown to what I always dreamed it could be and, and more. It's a thriving business with online courses, a membership, a group coaching program, a podcast. I mean, what? I work with corporate clients and I travel for public speaking engagements. I was featured in the New York Times and I've been a guest on the Today Show twice. I mean, this is all beyond my wildest dreams. And best of all, I get to set my hours of work. I get to take vacations. I get to work with incredible humans and I get to make an impact, a real impact in the world. I love coaching. I truly love being a coach. It's a career in which I can not only serve others, but that also serves me. And this has been slow and steady, y'all. This is not an overnight success kind of thing. Unfortunately, in the world of online coaching and online business, we're made to believe that success is making seven or eight figures, which to some it is. But to me, success is simply working as a coach with people I love, making a good income that allows me to travel and buy all the plants my heart desires. I can take time off. I mean, I would say I'm pretty damn successful. And now here I am with my own coaching certification, the Wholehearted Coaching Certification. I wish I could say that a lot has changed since I first started looking at coaching certifications, but it sadly hasn't. Not as much as it should have. There are programs with big names attached to them that are offering no mentorship or guidance. Certifications that are a weekend long. Certifications where coaches are taught one tool and made to believe that that one tool can be applied to everyone and everything. We have a problem in the coaching industry. We all know this to be true. But the issue isn't coaching. It is how it is being practiced. And if we look at the root, it's connected to the education that coaches receive or the lack thereof. We need more coaches who practice with care, skill, and ethics. Coaches who can weave their own magic and medicine into this work. It's time to bring the soul back to coaching. And that is why I created the Wholehearted Coaching Certification. So if you are interested in becoming a coach or learning more about how to coach from a decolonized lens, I hope you'll join me for my three-day workshop that starts on October 22nd. So, I mean, that, that's it. I mean, there is more to the story, but for now, that's it. I hope you found something in my story that resonated with you. So as we say goodbye, see if there's something on your heart or in your mind, an insight or an aha. And we're going to take a deep breath in. Pause, thinking of that one thing. And now breathing out. Until next week, I'll talk to you then. Thank you so much for joining me this week. 
If you liked this episode, please share it with a friend, subscribe or follow where you love listening most. And if you haven't yet, leave a review. You can do this on Apple Podcasts, CastBox, Podchaser or Podcast Addict. Until next week, love.